Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. For this week, uh, I want to read to you from Acts chapter 17, and uh, I'm going to read um, quite a bit of verses here. But uh, this is uh, starting in verse 16 of uh, Acts 17. This is uh, Paul when he goes to uh, Athens. It says, While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers And when he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the the latest ideas. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are, are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them, but but some joined him and became believers among them uh, were Dionysius and and uh, a member of the council, a woman named Demarius, and others with them. That name gets me every time. Let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this day, God. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for 
the mission that you've given each and every one of us to carry the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, help us to do our very best at that, God, with help of Holy Spirit. And I just pray that this message today will touch people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So what message are we proclaiming? Um, and I want to talk about that mainly in reference to what message are we presenting the world? Uh, what message are we presenting to those around us? Um, unfortunately, uh, when you look around, there are a lot of churches out there and there are a lot of Christians out there that they've tried to be so seeker friendly and so politically correct that along the way, it looks like they've forgotten the message and what we're trying to share. Or maybe they've disguised it and covered it up with so, so much political correctness or so much uh, whatever you want to call it that it's been lost in translation to people. And so the passage that I just read to you uh, about Paul, this is Paul speaking to the people in Athens, and it sounds like a great message. And I'm definitely not critiquing Paul and his preaching, but it sounds like a really good message here. And in fact, many, uh, many ministries and ministry approaches out there use this model of ministry, okay? And uh, these types of ministries, they're all over the church world. But my question is why? Why would we use this as a model for ministry? Uh, Paul never even planted a church here. If you look at the different things that Paul did, uh, why would we pattern our church or our ministry after the one place that Paul had his least amount of success? But think about how most churches are programmed or how they're set up. Uh, it would be like if I came to you and I said, I heard you want to go into business. Well, I've, I've, run, I've, run, I've ran five businesses. Uh, they've all, four of them have been really successful. One of them, I mean, I'm still in business, but I'm pretty much having to take from my other companies just to keep this one afloat and make payroll. But uh, I want to mentor you and give you all my knowledge. But I think you should pattern your business after this fifth one I have that's barely making it. How, what would you think if I told you that? I would say, no, how about tell me about number one? Oh, no, number one, my, number one is stressful. It's all these other, yeah, but it's effective. It's what actually works. I want to, I want to know about the business that's floating the other ones. I don't want to know about the one that you, that you really wouldn't even be able to keep the doors open on it if you hadn't had all this other success uh, to begin with. But that's what we do uh, with church. This was Paul's least successful missionary uh, uh, that he went out, his mission that he went on. All the other ones planted churches, has leaders established. They're talking about electing elders and deacons and bishops and all these things. And we want a pattern and after the one place where he didn't even plant a church. And so what I want to kind of do is show you how uh, this can compare to the church world uh, today. And so just kind of look at this, this passage. Uh, I'm not going to reread it. Uh, that, do, do you know when someone always reads like, like that or he's like 18 verses on you and then they reread each verse? I'm not going to do that to you. Today, I'm just going to talk about it. In verses 16 through 18, Paul's talking to them and uh, he's going to the synagogues and then he's talking to some of the, the, uh, the, the Stoics there and the philosophers and he's telling them about Jesus and the resurrection and they say that they're interested. They're interested in what he's saying and so they take him to the high council uh, to talk about this new teaching. And then in verse 22 through the end of the chapter, Paul delivers this message. 
And what I want you to notice is the first few people, because this happens a lot. I told you this kind of goes with the message next week too. But this happens a lot of us as preachers. We're talking to a few people and we preach one thing. And then when we get around a big crowd or you get around people that are uh, maybe more educated or you, you're getting to talk to, the, you're getting to preach somewhere where your peers are at, all of a sudden they start changing the message. He's talking about Jesus and the resurrection, which gets him in front of the high council. But when he gets in front of the high council, oh, he's got to, he's got to, I don't want to use the word fluff it up with the apostle, with, with, uh, with Paul, but he's got to kind of go a little more intellectual, I guess. And uh, he's because he's with a different group here. And so he talks about some great things. He talks about God's spirituality and he talks about uh, how God made the world and how God created everything. And uh, in, in him, we live and move and, and, and have our breath and all these things. But throughout the entire wonderful message, it's a great message that he's giving them. There's no mention of Jesus. He never says the name Jesus. He says that about how uh, the Lord has a day of judging the world by the man that he's appointed and talks about him being raised from the dead, but he doesn't say Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. He never says those bold declarations that he always makes. He doesn't do them here, okay? But uh, he doesn't mention them, and that's why I believe he experienced such a lack of success. And I, I don't have all the answers with things about, uh, about the church world, but I do believe that's one of the reasons we're experiencing so little success these days as well because we all we hey every church there's churches all over this city but all over this country right now with amazing messages being preached unbelievable speakers with all kind of charisma uh, all kind of nuggets if you will that people are writing down in their notepads but they're not the success isn't there like it should be because they've left out the most important part and it's Jesus what message are we proclaiming we need to tell the world about Jesus. And so notice what happened to Paul and, and, and notice what happens to many churches and, 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 and ministries that he, he's so clever, but he leaves out the Christ and he doesn't have the success. But see, Paul, he realized the problem and he fixed it really fast because after he left Athens is when he went to Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 2 through 5, it says this. He's talking about when he went to them to preach to them after leaving Athens. He says, For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. He realized that that method didn't work in Athens. I need to forget this. Now, we keep trying to repackage it for the past 20 years because telling people about Jesus doesn't seem to be the, the cool thing to do now. But, but he realized real quick, I need to let that go. I tried something new and it didn't work. I don't mind trying anything new, but when it doesn't work, stop doing it. So he says, I, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. He decided that he didn't want to be so clever that he forgot about Christ. He says there, I, I didn't do anything clever, any, any persuasive speeches. And so he decided that never again was he going to leave out Jesus or the cross in one of his messages. 
He was going to stick with Christ all the way. And see, when you think about it, when it comes to trying to get the message out and the message that we're proclaiming, uh, most people don't have a problem with you believing in God. I don't know if you've noticed that. They don't mind you believing in God, but if you start talking about Jesus, sometimes they act, they act a little different. Uh, in fact, around here, most people don't mind you or have a problem with you believing in Jesus. But when you talk to them and they find out that you believe like Jesus, that begins to change. They don't like, they don't like it that way. And uh, that, unfortunately, that applies to a lot of church people too. Uh, you'll probably hear me say this um, from time to time and probably a lot, but because uh, when I heard it said uh, years ago, it changed, it changed my thought process. But, but see, what we have to realize as Christians, we talk about wanting to have the transform, be transformed and renewing our minds and all that, is that we, we get saved by believing in Jesus, but we get transformed and our minds get renewed by believing like Jesus. It's about changing those belief systems. And so when you tell somebody you believe in Jesus around here, they don't give you too hard of a time. But when you start in normal conversation, making comments that allows them to realize you believe like Jesus, they call you a fanatic or they say you're crazy or they say you're pushing your religion on them or, 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 or whatever. They don't, they don't like it. And, and unfortunately, even church people. See, some of them don't like it when they find out you believe like Jesus, but that's how we're meant to be. If we're going to be Christians, if we're going to be little Christ, we might need to believe like Christ every now and then at least, I would think. And I'm not talking about acting rude or holier than thou to someone or trying to be a bad person just because somebody believes differently uh, than we do. We should honor and respect everyone. But in that same process, we also need to not forget who we are and who, who we're representing as we go out. We're representing Jesus. And see, so what I mean is it's okay for us to be cautious about how people think. It's okay to be cautious about people's feelings. We need to. There's some people uh, that are trying to, to carry the message, and they're not cautious at all. That can be dangerous as well. Well, you need to be cautious about the way people feel, but not to the point of overstepping how God feels and how God thinks about circumstances and, and situations. See, the church wants to talk, talk a lot about, about power, and about being effective, but there is no true power without purity. It's just not going to happen. There may be some type of power show up, but it's not going to be the power that God really wants you to, to walk in. I read from one writer, I tried to find the word, I could not find it, but uh, in, in this book I was reading, it said that the Hebrew word for purity uh, is a homonym for priesthood. And see, there are a lot of people, that they want to claim to be part of the priesthood, but they don't want to have anything to do with purity. Uh, they want to be in ministry, but they don't want to be mature. They want to do all these different things, but they don't want to live the life that goes along uh, with what they're trying to proclaim. See, they don't want to live that lifestyle of purity, and they don't even seem to be interested in purity when you talk to them. They seem to be more interested in seeing just how much they can get away with. And still stay saved. I don't know why. It doesn't make sense. See, if all we have are a, a bunch of programs and clever messages without, without Jesus or without the cross, there's never going to be a call for purity. That's one of the things we see in a lot of churches that some people would call successful because of their numbers, but there's no purity in that church because they've forgotten what message they're supposed to be proclaiming. And because they're not proclaiming the right messages, there's never a call for purity. It's just basically a call to come join the club. 
but not a call to be different, not a call to be set apart for God. See, what message are we proclaiming? The message of anything goes may fill the empty seats in churches, but it will never fill the emptiness in a person's heart. It's just not going to do it. I don't care how many friends they make by going to church. If they don't meet that one true friend, it's not going to matter. See, we have to preach Jesus and encourage people to go after God. We need purity. We need holiness. Psalms 96 verse 9 says, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalms 29 verse 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Holiness is the source of true beauty. And when you think about it, all beauty that is not holy is perversion. It's not genuine. See, holiness is the product of a true relationship with Jesus. Now, when I say the word holiness, it makes some of you already uh, nervous and uneasy because of um, the legalism that you've had attached to that over the years. Maybe different churches you've, you've gone to. And the reason that happens is people um, get things out of order. And when you get things out of order, sometimes you make a mess or worse, you hurt somebody. Because what they thought is that holiness creates a relationship with Jesus. And so then you get a bunch of people trying to give up everything they can possibly give up because the more they give up means they got a relationship with Jesus. That's not how it works. Holiness does not produce a relationship with Jesus. A relationship with Jesus produces holiness. Go after Jesus and the holiness comes. Go after Jesus and the holiness happens. True holiness, not holier than the hell. Many people claim holiness and all they really got is haughtiness. They're just mean. They just like to hurt people sometimes. So we need to make sure that we have the right attitude and that our minds are being renewed and being transformed by the Word of God, by believing like Jesus. Because when we don't, it will affect the message that we're proclaiming. It's going to change what people are receiving from us. I want to show you something about uh, attitudes in Luke chapter 9. And I know I've talked about this passage before. And same thing, I'm not going to read it to you. You can go back and read it, Luke chapter 9. But in this passage, uh, at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus sends out all the disciples. He sends, he sends out his disciples and he gives them power and authority over all demons and all diseases. Over all of them. And so they go out and they come back and they're telling Jesus just how amazing their, their, little, their little mini missionary trips were, how all these things were happening. And Jesus, uh, after this, he takes Peter, James, and John, and they go up on the mountain and they see Jesus transfigured right before their eyes. They see Moses and Elijah. All these things are, are happening. And so then they come back down. And when they come back down the mountain, there's a man there with his son and his son has a spirit that's bothering him and tormenting him. And, and the disciples that had been left at the bottom of the mountain, they had not been able to cast the spirit out of this, out of this boy. They would not been able to, to help him. And so Jesus calls the people faithless. He calls the little boy over. He rebukes the demon. And the little boy is delivered right there in front of everyone. And so then after this, Jesus is, uh, predicts his death to the disciples. And uh, then a little later, he comes up and they're arguing. And they're arguing over who's going to be the uh, over who's the greatest out of their group, and uh, Jesus handles this with the disciples, and uh, then John comes up to him and says, "Hey, Master, we we saw this guy, and he's using your name to cast demons out of people, but don't worry, we told him to stop because you know he isn't in our group, 
He's not part of us, so we told him to quit. And so Jesus says, wait, don't stop him. Anyone who's not against you is for you. Why, why would you don't, don't stop him? And so what we see through all of this is what I believe is that their attitude affected their authority. They were given authority. Uh, uh, Jesus uh, gave them all authority over all demons, all diseases. But somehow, some way, they lost this authority. And before we're too hard on them, we have to remember that he's given the same authority to us as Christians, as sons and daughters of God, as the church. We have authority over all demons and diseases. Now, are we, are, are we having 100% bat, uh, or, is it a, or is it 1,000 when it's a batting average? Are we having 1,000% batting average? I don't know of any church or minister that is. So we don't need to be too hard on them because we've got authority too. So what was it that affected their authority? I think, think about it. Jesus had three of the disciples with him on the mountain. So that means that there were nine of them that were there praying for this little boy and uh, trying to rebuke the spirit that was troubling him. And now they've been given power over what? All spirits, all diseases, and nine of them can't now together can't get rid of one. Can't get rid of one. And see, we as the church, we've been given the same authority, but just like the disciples, I believe our attitudes have hindered our effectiveness. Now, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about all of us. See, when Jesus cast the Spirit out, if you read it in the book of Mark, it's in the exact same chapter in Mark. So you can Luke 9, Mark 9, it's the same, same chapter. They asked him, how, how did you do it? And he said, by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting, I know I talked about that before, so we're not going to get all into that. So the quick version is prayer and fasting gets our attention back on God where it should be. And so after this, Jesus, you know, he catches them arguing over who's the greatest. And so what I can't help but wonder is when they were trying to pray for the little boy, were they caught in this same attitude of wondering who would be the greatest when they should have been operating out of compassion for a little boy? We have to be careful for that, especially in churches that believe in signs and wonders like we do, that believe in miracles, believe in praying for the sick, laying on the hands and, and anointing with oil and all those things. Because unfortunately, there's been a lot of people that when they get, they, that love to work the altars, I'm, I am very tentative about working alders. I just always have been. I'm, I'm a good catch man. I'll catch people left and right. And if the Lord tells me to go pray for somebody, and I'll pray for anybody. But some people, you see them, they just they can't wait. Now, if they can't wait to go pray for people, and I'm not, I'm not trying to discourage anybody's eagerness. Go for it. They're never going to get healed if you don't pray for them. I've never prayed for anybody and them be healed. How many people have you prayed for? There's probably a good reason why you've never prayed for anybody to be and then be healed because you hadn't prayed for anybody to be healed. So go for it. But you see these people when they're just in the altar and they can't wait. And if they're if they're so eager in it, you seeing people get delivered and saved and healed every time they're praying for them. Fine. But some of them, you're not seeing that. And you have to wonder, what is their focus on? Are they focused on the miracle they're wanting to see? Or are they focused on the man in front of them that needs help? And we have to not forget the message we're proclaiming is the good news of Jesus Christ. And he had compassion and healed everyone that came to him. What was the reason for his success? Was it just because, you know, he said we can do the same thing he did. But he never operated out of pride. He always operated out of humility. And so we know that every person he laid hands on, his concern was for the person. Not for the crowd to see the miracle, not for somebody to tell them how anointed he was when the people got up off the ground after they, if they were slain in the spirit. None of, the, none of that. 
But we've all seen people when you, you thought something didn't, something didn't sit right in your spirit. It's probably because that person's focus was not on being a minister to the person. It was a, his focus was on seeing a miracle for the people. And that's never, never a good thing. We, we need to make sure that we have compassion for those that we, that we pray for. But see, were the disciples, were they concerned over out of the night? There's nine of us. We both, we've all had these amazing trips where we've done unbelievable ministry. I'm probably, you know, they're wondering who's, they're getting ready to argue over who's the greatest. While the little boy was there, instead of having compassion for the little boy, maybe their whole focus was, on, oh, man, it needs to be me so everyone knows how anointed I am. I'm the one who needs to be the last one to say in the name of Jesus when this demon comes out. Maybe if I yell it louder than the guy next to me. Maybe if I, their focus is on everything, but we need to see this little boy delivered. We know the power of God. We know God's wills for him to be delivered, and we want to see it. Their focus is on, they don't want to be uh, genuine or humble. They want to be great. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be great as long as you don't get into a spirit of pride. Their attitudes have changed from when they first went out to now. And it happens to a lot of people when it begins to change the message they're proclaiming. And that's why they start to not have the same effectiveness. But you see, when our attitude is wrong, when our focus is wrong, that's why it's important, prayer and fasting is important, to get our focus right. But when our focus and our attitude are wrong, then we become competitive, judgmental, and jealous instead of compassionate, humble, and genuine. And think about the way we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be like Jesus. And so then to top it all off, John, that's when he comes up and he tells Jesus, hey, we saw this guy and he's casting demons out of people. He didn't say he was trying to cast demons out of people. He said he was doing it. He said he's casting demons out of people in your name. But don't worry, we told him to stop because he isn't like we are. Now think about it. Now nine of them with the wrong attitude couldn't do it. So let's just shut down this one guy who's having a little bit of success. Let's just shut him down and tell him that he's out of order. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this with different things. God can move any way he wants to, anywhere he wants to, use anybody he wants to. But a lot of times when God begins to move in a place and God begins to use a certain person, many times the loudest voices against that, per that person are people God used in the past. Now, I don't know why he, maybe he's even still using them, but sometimes maybe he's not using them uh, in that moment because of the way their attitude has changed, like the disciples. They've gotten where they've gotten to. Everything else is so important, they forgot about the message that they were supposed to be proclaiming. But that's what that, so it sounds, hearing the disciples do this doesn't, doesn't catch me by that much of a surprise. It sounds familiar. It sounds like the church. They say, hey, wait a minute. That doesn't happen in our church. That can't be of God. I've never been in a service like that. It's probably just some kind of wildfire. Uh, they'll say something like, God's never talked to me that way. That guy's crazy. God's never showed me anything like that. They're faking. I've never had that experience. It's not real. Whatever it, whatever it is. And uh, I, I, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things that I haven't experienced yet. I, I don't know if I told you yet or not, but I've, I, I have prayed several times. I want to transport like Philip. I just want to do it one time. I want to see how that feels. It hasn't happened yet, but I mean, if it happened for him, you know, you, you, I mean, think about the stuff that we read and then somebody else says something. And I had to fight those same things because 
uh, when someone's telling one of these wild testimonies, you're, you, you know, the enemy tries to plant things in your mind and you start getting a little, little skeptical. But, but, you know, we got to get rid of that attitude. If you have that attitude, guess what? It probably never will happen to you. It's not going to be there. See, true holiness is not about kingdom competition. It's about the kingdom mission. And we have to remember that. When I talk about what message are we proclaiming, I'm not trying to put anyone else down, no other ministry, no other preacher, nothing like that. I'm talking about us not forgetting what it's all about. We don't have to go police everybody, just like John didn't have to go tell that guy to stop doing what he was doing. We just need to make sure that our attitude is right and be examples to everyone we can. It's all about Jesus. It's not a competition. We're not here to trick people into joining our church. We're not, we're not even here to trick people into accepting Jesus. We're here to be honest with people and tell them about Jesus. Tell them how amazing He is. It all comes back to Jesus. Now, I know that some people will say that they're just trying to reach people with a different, you know, with a different approach because they want to... They want people to see the Father. They want people to understand uh, the kingdom. I get that. Um, I, when I was looking at the scripture, I'm going to just give this to you. I remember that, that little uh, thing in my notes about the kingdom. I wrote this down a few years ago. I don't know when, but it's, it was just above this passage. And uh, talking about people said, so we're just trying to find a different way to give people the kingdom. I've got here about this passage of Paul in Athens where he tries to be clever with him. I said, Jesus is the gospel. Uh, this is just to me. This is not some kind of biblical truth here. So if you don't agree with this, this is fine. This is this Aaron's brain. This is not anything I looked up and researched. I've got, so I'll put to me in front of this. To me, Jesus is the gospel. The Father is the kingdom. We've been given the world the kingdom and the church the gospel, but this is backwards. And think about what happens a lot. We're trying to get the world to live by kingdom principles, and we only talk about Jesus in here because we're too, we're too scared to talk about Him out there. So we talk about Jesus to each other, and then we try to make it sound good and talk about the kingdom out uh, around people, and they haven't accepted Jesus. We need to be giving them Jesus, and then we need to, we need to start ta uh, teaching kingdom principles to those who have already accepted Christ so that they can begin to believe like Jesus and have the renewed mind and experience everything that He provided for us to have that's already, that's already been done. And so sometimes we get this thing where we're going for different approaches, and in the approach we leave out Jesus, and that's when everything goes wrong. And so they'll say things like, I'm just finding creative ways to give the gospel. or and they, I'm just one trying to use this as a door to connect me to people. That's fine. But what message are we proclaiming? There's this guy, he started coming to a church one time, and he went to the youth leader to tell the youth leader that he thought it would probably be a good idea if he was a youth leader. And uh, these people are always fun, aren't they? I was thinking, I've been praying about this, and I think I should be over the youth instead of you. And uh, his number one reason was because he had an eyebrow ring. It was going to help him connect with people. It's going to help him connect with the youth of the day because he had an eyebrow ring. And uh, that uh, I think he had a couple tattoos too, so he was ready to connect with young people. And uh, that was his main, that was really the main reason I got this eyebrow ring and something else. And I just, you know, uh, 
not to, he was actually older than the youth leader he was telling that he could connect better with them because you know usually people go by the age thing when you're a youth leader you got to be a certain age he was a uh, probably no not much probably about like a year older than the youth leader they had but he says i need to, i should be the youth leader because i'm just gonna you know it's obvious i'm gonna connect with these kids well they politely told him he was being ridiculous and uh they weren't stepping down and uh well then uh, sometimes with that in a few weeks yeah you, know, you just give it a little time things will usually come out if you will so since he didn't get the job as a youth leader he decided he'd start a bible study started a bible study if i'm not mistaken i think he came back for the youth leader pitch one more time because he was saying he had so many kids at his bible study that he just needed to be the youth leader because he was starting to bring those kids to church a few more weeks go by Come to find out, this guy that thought that the best thing he could do to connect with kids was to stick a needle in his eyebrow and some other things, he also thought the best way to get a Bible study, to loosen people up for a Bible study, to just speak from the heart was a little bit of reefer. So now he's smoking grass with these kids, doing a Bible study, and then bringing them to church. And finally, one of the kids went and told on him because they just, they, they, now this guy, he wants to be the leader. But it was one of the kids that finally said they had too much conviction to keep doing what they were doing. They thought that the church needed to know that they were, that they were uh, smoking weed before at the Bible study. And uh, luckily, the Bible study had absolutely nothing to do with that church. And the church was fine. But I'm just telling you. This guy was eager. He, was, he had a lot of zeal. He was like, and in a lot of ways, I think he meant well, believe it or not. I mean, I think he, I think he really thought God was going to use him. But he forgot about the simplicity of the message of Jesus. And when you leave out Jesus, there's never a call to purity. And when there's not a call to purity, perversion gets into the church and people uh, get hurt those kids never came back once everything got pulled off. All the kids that were coming and sitting on the pew with them, they all, everybody left. Hopefully, somebody really gave them the message later on and they're, they're doing well in church today and have beautiful families. I don't know. But I'm just saying, without Jesus, it's going to bring in all kinds of problems. I've had thoughts before about, man, what would be a creative way? That would be kind of cool to do this or... Man, that's a great idea, and, and I'm not downing anybody's ideas or creativity. What's well, one thing? We've killed creativity in the church. We need it back. But then I had this, also had this thought about trying to find a way. I realized that Jesus says He is the way. If you're looking for a way to do something, why not try Jesus? I'm trying to open a door. Jesus is the door. <laughs> Whatever it is that you need, he, he says that. So if you're looking for a way to, to reach people, a door to share your testimony, try Jesus. Because He is the good news. He is the gospel. He is the message. And I'm not trying to minimize the Father in any way or Holy Spirit in any way. We need, we need to know about the Father. We need to know about the Father's love. And I talk about the Father all the time. But the point to it all is this in John 14 verse 8. So no matter, no matter what you're trying to tell the person, if you're trying to tell them about, um, if you're trying to tell them about the kingdom, if you're trying to tell them about the Father, if you're trying to tell them about salvation, it all comes back to Jesus. In verse eight, Philip said, "Lord, 
Show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Verse 9, Jesus replied like this. He said, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. See, the mission that we've been given, it's an amazing mission. And the message that we should be proclaiming is a very powerful message because the message is Jesus. It's not religion. It's revelation of who He is. It's not church. It's Christ. There's a difference in those things. See, when, when will we actually realize this and, and, uh, and, and stop playing games with trying so many crazy things that leave out Christ? So when we realize that it's all about Him and the simplicity of, of Jesus, then the mission becomes a lot less complex and complicated. Now, I did not say the mission becomes easier. It's not going to make it easier. It just makes it less complicated. Because the message is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. Our focus is Jesus. Our hope is Jesus. Everything comes back to Him. It's all about who He is, what He did, what He taught, what He promised, what He provided. And every promise still holds true today. He's the reason for everything. He's the reason that we're here. If you're here for any other reason, it's the wrong reason. It should be to grow. Everything that you want is found in Jesus. If you want a better relationship with the Father, go after Jesus. If you want to hear the Holy Spirit better, go after Jesus. Whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. It all comes back to Him. I just want us to go to the Lord in, in uh, prayer today. Because it's so easy to get caught up in the things of life, and the things of this world, and even the things of church that we forget about the message that we're supposed to be proclaiming to people. We're supposed to be telling them about Jesus. We're supposed to see Jesus through the, way, uh, through the way we act, through the way we live, through the way we talk. And, uh, and I believe that if we get back to that simple message, and there's a lot of people that have had amazing success and, in ministry, and when you talk to them, you're trying to figure out what's so different. You're, you're, you're like... Everything seems simple with the person. They don't get, they make everything complicated. And usually what you find out is it's one thing they all have in common, and it's Jesus. They're totally surrendered to Jesus. They're totally, their hunger's for Jesus, more of Jesus. And what they share is Jesus. Everybody loves sharing impressive thoughts. I like it when I get a cool new idea that I get to tell somebody. And they say, I've never thought of it that way. That feels good. But it should never take the place of just telling somebody about Jesus. And so I just want us to pray today that we'll keep our focus on Him and that, and that if, if we've been proclaiming the wrong message, it will change. Or if we've been proclaiming no message, we'll start telling people about Jesus in some way, through kindness, through word, through, through, through whatever. But don't try to be so clever, persuasive that you forget to just take a stand for what you believe, for who it is that you serve, who it is that is your Lord and Savior. Lord, we just thank you for your presence in this place today, God. And we thank you for the mission that you've given each and every one of us to preach the gospel all over the world to every living creature. God, I pray that we will not take that mission lightly. And God, I pray that we will be intentional when we give the message that you've given us to give. Lord, I pray that we don't forget what that message is and we proclaim the mighty power and goodness of Jesus Christ everywhere that we go. Lord, that we'll lift up that name, 
that we will not be ashamed of that name, God, and that we will tell everyone you place in our path. And Lord, let everything that we do be a great representation of who Jesus is to us and in us and all that he's done, all that he's provided. We thank you for every promise. And God, I just pray blessings over every person, God. So now as we just spend a few moments, Lord, lifting up that name, God, I pray that you would be pleased and that you would be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.